Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back once again with all of our listeners. And we take this time very seriously. We consider it a great blessing from God to have this opportunity to tune in, uh, to, to, to get with all of our listeners who tune in each day, to hear a little more of God's Word being taught. And our prayer is that we're being effective in teaching the truth of God's Word, not just talking about the Bible or just about God, but actually digging into God's Word deeply and in detail. And yet at the same time, we try to explain those teachings in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your daily life. We want to help you come closer to God. We want to help you grow in your faith in God and in Christ. And where does faith come from again? Well, we say it all the time, right from the scriptures. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So as we teach God's word, we can help you grow in your faith. And as you spread these messages, these studies on to others, what you learn on this program to other people, you can help them grow in their faith. Ultimately, our prayer is that as you grow in your faith, you're coming closer and closer to God and that you will make up your mind to come to him all the way, his way, through Jesus Christ, his Son, your Lord and Savior, as you repent of your sins, confess your faith in Christ openly, and surrender to him in baptism, at which point the blood that he shed on the cross will still cleanse you of the guilt of your sins, effectively, 100%. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. And as that happens... You are reborn spiritually. You come to forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ. You are added to his church by himself. And you become a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. So our prayers are for you. Our prayers are with you. And we really do pray for you. I want to encourage you to encourage others to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and scroll down the home page, come to the podcast button, click on that, and in about 60 seconds, you can sign up for our podcasting. Now, all of that is free. Our website is free. Podcasting is free. And when you sign up for, your pod, for our podcasts, you'll automatically receive not only these radio programs, but you'll also receive all of our sermons, all of our Bible classes, and a great 12-minute study each day from God's Word that we call today's Bible class to help keep you on the right track, to help keep you connected with God and in His Word, to help you strengthen your spiritual life and well-being. So we encourage you, take advantage of our website, and again, it's all free. Now we're going to continue our study that we've been looking at in a general way on grace, but we've been looking at this in very specific sections, and we're going to continue to do that beginning today. We're going to talk about something that I think we really need to understand. You see, a good rule of thumb is you get out of something according to what you put into it. Or put another way, you pretty much get what you pay for. Now, when you think about that from an economic perspective, you go to a store and you say, okay, I, uh, I need a new pair of pants or I need a new shirt or maybe I need a new suit. And so you go to a one store and they tell you, okay, here this is. You can have this new pair of pants. It's 
$50 or maybe it's $70 or $80. And then you go to another store and they say you can have this new pair of pants and it's 15 bucks. Well, which one do you buy? Now, if you cannot afford the $50 or $70 or $80 pair of pants, you know which one you buy. You buy the $15 pair. But if it's not a matter of affordability, which one do you buy? If you can pay the $50 or $70 or $80 for a new pair of pants versus paying $15 for a new pair of pants, which one do you buy? Well, let me tell you a little story. Many, many years ago, very early in my first marriage, my first wife is deceased, but we were only married just, oh, maybe a couple of years, maybe not even that long. And she was still in nurse's training, I believe. She became an RN and specialized in coronary care, but also uh, she became very adaptable. She worked in uh, in, in uh, OBGYN, and she also worked in uh, emergency and, and critical care settings, and she was very skilled, very knowledgeable. But in, those, in that first year or two, she was still in school, and we were young, and we did not have much money. And so we were in a kind of a big box store, something like a Walmart or a Kmart, but I'm not sure, it, I don't think it was either one of those at that time. This was the very early days of those kinds of big box discount stores. And we were there and I noticed on this one display table, there was a whole pile of new shoes, men's shoes. And boy, they were in style. And at that time, the style was kind of high heels, kind of a platform kind of sole and so on. And really cool color and everything. And so I thought, I'm, I'm going to get a pair of those. Why? Because they were only $5. $5 for a new pair of stylish shoes. So I bought myself a pair. And let me tell you, I got $5 worth of shoes. <laughs> that was, I think to this day, by far, that was the most uncomfortable pair of shoes I have ever owned. I wore them because we didn't have much money, and I had already paid for them. I had them, and so I wore them to work. I wore them, but boy, my feet hurt continually through, that, through the use of that pair of shoes. Now, let's get back to the two pair of pants. If it's not a matter of affordability, which ones do you buy? Now, you might say, well, I'm going to buy the $15 pair because I'm frugal. That's, that's a cheaper pair of pants. What's going to happen with that pair of pants versus the 50 to 70 to $80 pair? Well, probably it's going to be like those $5 shoes to a great extent. You're going to have a pair of pants that's not going to hold up well. It's not going to, to wear well and probably going to wear out more quickly than the more expensive pair. The pair that's going to hold its shape better, look better, and probably feel better. Well, you get you get what you pay for. And to a great extent, almost always, I would say that's probably the case. Now, I know there are overpriced things all around us that don't need to be priced as high as they are, but the principle is what I'm talking about. You get what you pay for. Usually, you pay more for higher quality. That's just the way it is. And you sacrifice at least some degree of quality for a lower price. So you want the lower priced item, you're probably not going to get nearly as good quality as you would get if you paid for the higher priced item. 
the higher quality, whatever it is that you're buying. Now, the principle applies in other areas, jobs, schools, recreational pursuits, and relationships. You're going to get out of the, them according to what you put into it. The fulfillment you gain will be directly related to the commitment that you make. You want to really have a good job experience? You've got to put yourself into it. You really want to do well in school? You've got to be in class and you've got to study the material. You've got to take the tests. Recreational pursuits? You want to be a good golfer? You've got to learn how to play the game. You've got to put yourself into it. Same with tennis or basketball or football or whatever it might be. And what about relationships? You want to have a really good relationship with your spouse? Well, then you're going to have to make a tremendous commitment to that relationship. Or maybe it might be a friend. Well, again, you're going to have to make a tremendous relationship to that friendship, to that relation, a, a tremendous commitment to that friendship, to that relationship. If you want that to be a really good, high-quality, satisfying, fulfilling relationship. You can't be just hit or miss. You can't be lackadaisical about it in any of these areas. It matters, any of these areas of life. Now, the same principle is true in our spiritual life, Christianity. People want the benefits oftentimes, and that would be forgiveness and salvation, and all the blessings that go therewith of being in Christ. But they don't want to have to make the commitment to actually be or live the life of a Christian. Now, let me say that again. A lot of people want all the benefits of being a Christian. They want forgiveness, they want salvation, and they want all of the blessings that go with being a Christian on a general basis, but they don't want to have to make the commitment to actually be a Christian, to actually live the life of a Christian. You see, again, you're going to get out of something about what you put into it, or according to what you put into it. The idea of salvation without commitment is cheap grace, cheap grace. That's what we're going to study about in this particular section of our study on grace, cheap grace. There's a whole lot of people out there, and I'm not exaggerating, who are really into cheap grace. Now, they may not say that. They may not even be able to put the words into that particular concept, but that's really what they're into. They want the benefits of being a Christian, of being with God, without having to really make the commitment and live the commitment of being a Christian, of being a true faithful follower of Jesus Christ. So the idea of salvation without real commitment, that's just cheap grace. And it shows terrible disrespect for the price that God paid to give us the opportunity to be saved. Now again, salvation is totally by God's grace. We've been hammering on that. But we've also emphasized that God expects response from us in order for us to receive his gift of salvation by grace. And so commitment is another way of talking about that response. 
in John chapter 1 and verse 17, and some other verses similar to this, a lot of people latch on to this and they take it out of context and they absolutely misapply what it says. In John chapter 1 and verse 17, John the Apostle wrote this, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now they read that the law came, was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So they read that verse, and again, first, they misunderstand it, radically misunderstand it, and then they absolutely misapply it. They look at the phrase, the law, or the law, and they leave off the article, that is the word the, and they say law, law. Now they're referring to spiritual law. That was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so what they say is, Jesus brought an end to spiritual law. We're not under law today. We're under grace and truth. Now that is, again, a terrible, a radical misunderstanding of what the verse really says, and an absolute misapplication of what it is trying to teach. First, it, is, it says the law was given through Moses. Now that's referring to a specific body of spiritual law that was given at a specific time for a specific group of people and through a specific communicator of that law. The law was given through Moses. We're talking about Old Testament times, going all the way back to Deuteronomy. We're talking about an, an Exodus and Leviticus. We're talking about Moses having been given the written spiritual law by God and Moses then writing that down and then communicating it to the nation of Israel, the Israelites. It was for that group of people during the Old Testament times and pointing up to the coming of Christ. That law was given through Moses. Now, in Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, if we turn over there, and we look at verses 4 and 5, this helps us understand that particular application and understanding of what is written there in John chapter 1 and verse 17 as referring to the law of Moses given to the Israelites through Moses for Old Testament times. Again, pointing up to and leading up to the coming of Christ. In Romans chapter 10 verses 4 and 5, we read this, for Christ is the end of the law not of law, not of all law, not of spiritual law, but Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now again, for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law, 
the man who does these things shall live by them. He's talking about the law of Moses. The law of Moses given to God, uh, given by God to Moses to be communicated to the nation of Israel during Old Testament times. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Let's look at verses 23 through 25. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. Not by law in general, but by the law. Now, Paul's letter to the Romans and Paul's letter to the Galatians are very parallel in the focus. So we were, before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith, which would be the gospel, the gospel of Christ, which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law, the law of Moses, was our tutor to bring us to Christ. In other words, to look forward to the prophets wrote during that period of time of the coming of Christ, so to lead us up to his coming, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. We are no longer under the law of Moses. We look also at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And let's look here at verses 15 and 16. And we read similarly. Having abolished, well, let's go back to verse 14. For he himself is our peace, speaking of Christ, who has made both one, the both would be the Jew and the Gentile, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity or the strife, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances. That is a very descriptive reference to the Old Testament law of Moses. In other words, in his flesh, going to that cross, dying on that cross, he brought that Old Testament law to an end. And that is parallel to what we read back in Romans chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, and Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 25. So he abolished in his flesh that enmity. He fulfilled that Old Testament law. That is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Now, the new man that Jesus brought into being, and man is used there generically to refer to, to, refer to both men and women who would come to him, the new man is the Christian. The Christian. You see, Christianity did not exist in Old Testament times except in the form of prophecy that God was sending his son to bring it into existence. So when Jesus died on that cross, we can see his death on that cross as the separation line between Old Testament times and New Testament times. He came and fulfilled those prophecies of his coming that were listed in the Old Testament, and he brought that period of biblical history and spiritual law to a close, to a fulfillment, and established the new law under which we live today, which is the New Testament, the gospel of Christ and he established thereby 
Christianity, establish the church. Remember that he told the apostles, upon this rock I will build my church. He was going to establish his church on this earth. And in Acts chapter 2, we see that church coming into existence in a very powerful way. So when we read John 1 in verse 17, that the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, we're talking about the Old Testament law of Moses given by God to him and through him to be communicated to the people of Israel. That's the law that was given through Moses. Grace and truth, the ultimate fulfillment of God's grace is Jesus Christ. And the ultimate truth that he would bring into this world for man's forgiveness and salvation and redemption would be his gospel message of salvation, the New Testament. Remember that the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 1 and verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So Jesus brought, Jesus was, he still is, the ultimate fulfillment of God's grace and truth. When he came, he brought to fulfillment all of those Old Testament prophecies about his coming and established the church, New Testament Christianity. That's what we need to understand from John chapter 1 and verse 17. That is the accurate understanding and application of what it really says. We're going to stop here. We'll come back and study a little bit further next time on this concept of cheap grace and how we don't ever want to be a partaker either consciously or unconsciously of cheap grace. We don't want to cheapen God's grace by our attitudes and actions toward it. Let's pray. Father, we come to you at this time and we thank you for loving us so much. We thank you for sending us your son to that to, for sending your son to that cross to die for us. Thank you, Father. And what an incredible expression of your grace extended to us, offered to us that we can have salvation through him. Help us to never in the way we think or talk or act cheapen your grace. Help us to always take it seriously and to live by the applications that you would have us to live. Please forgive us, gracious Father. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.